The Bible tells us Pilate stood on the pavement of judgment, called in Hebrew, Gabbatha. From there, he commanded Jesus to be crucified at the place of the skull, called in Hebrew, Golgotha. He went from judgment to the cross, from the judgment pavement of Gabbatha to the hill, Golgotha. In this short period of time, there were some very powerful things that took place. This is part of what is known as the way of the cross or the Via Dolorosa, which means the way of sorrows. But the way of the cross goes from the time he's condemned by Pilate all the way until he dies on the cross. And this has been marked by the church, mostly Catholics, starting in the 1600s by the 14 stations of the cross. Out of the 14, eight are biblical and the other six are from tradition. The way of the cross has been made into a prayer or meditation about what Jesus did to us. Because only eight stations are found in the Bible, non-Catholics are hesitant to take part in setting up stations to remember or to meditate or to give thanks through prayer. In 1991, Pope John Paul II introduced a scriptural, biblical way of the cross. That is, he took out the story of Veronica and Jesus meeting his mother along the way. Later on, Mary would be at the cross, but we don't have any biblical account of him meeting her along the way. We are also not told that Jesus stumbled on the way. He very may well have, but we're just not told in the Bible. And so Pope John Paul in 1991 saw the need to put together what he called a scriptural way of the cross. Now there is a Protestant way of the cross that was created that has eight stations. Pilate condemns Jesus to die. Jesus accepts the cross. Simon helps carry the cross. Jesus speaks to the women. Jesus is stripped of his garments. Jesus is nailed to the cross. Jesus cares for his mother. Jesus dies on the cross. These are somber things to remember and are worth meditating on them and praying about them and thinking about what it means to us today that Jesus went through these things. Today, we are concerned with the first part from Gabbatha to Golgotha, from the judgment to where he will be crucified. I wanna give you what I call the biblical way of the cross. Not surprisingly, there are seven of them. The biblical way of the cross was foretold in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 53, seven. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before the shears is silent, he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generations? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. He was taken from judgment, and he was cut off from the land of the living. That speaks of this time frame that we're talking about. Let's start with what we would call the first station of what we would call the biblical way of the cross. And that is Pilate condemns Jesus to die. And this is found in Matthew 27, 26. Then he released Barabbas to them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Now in this, there are a couple of things that happen. Number one, Jesus is condemned, and now he will go to the cross. But at the same time, Barabbas, who is guilty, is released. Jesus, who is innocent, is condemned, and he literally takes the place of Barabbas. This is such a powerful moment that at his being condemned, we see the gospel actually taking place. Now, it doesn't mean Barabbas is saved. It's just a picture of what Jesus is doing. And then it says, and when he had Jesus scourged. Now, the first thing that happens after Jesus is condemned and taken away is that he's scourged. Scourging was a form of Roman punishment where they took a cat of nine tails that had glass and metal in it 
and they gave the prisoner 39 lashes. 40 was the sentence, but minus one was Roman mercy. This is a significant moment for us. Listen to what Isaiah 53, 5 says. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Now, some have taken this to mean a physical healing, and it may be speaking of that. But Peter tells us it's spiritual in 1 Peter 2, 22 through 24. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes we are healed. So the scourging of Jesus actually works in our lives as well, not only taking our place on the cross, but he was scourged for us as well. Now, the second station would be the soldiers mock Jesus. After he was scourged, he was taken into the praetorium. And it says in Matthew 27, 27 through 31, then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. When they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat on him and took the reed and struck him in the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off of him, put his own clothes on him and led him away to be crucified. This is a time for us to remember that with sin comes guilt and shame. And Jesus is treated in a shameless way. There is something in sin that makes it inherently wrong. And when we sin, we are then guilty. And there is shame that comes with that. And when the sin that we have done becomes known, there should be shame. The Bible talks about some that have their consciences seared as with a hot iron so that they don't have any shame. But Jesus even took our shame. He even went through the shame of being mocked and ridiculed by this Roman garrison. Now, the third biblical station of the way of the cross would be Jesus carries his cross. In John 19, 17 and 18, it says, and he bearing his own cross went out to the place called the place of the skull, which is in Hebrew is called Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him, one on one side and Jesus in the center. So here he carries the cross. Now we don't know if it is just the cross piece that he carried or the entire cross, but we do know that it was heavy and there was some irony in it. You were carrying your cross that you were going to die on. So the last thing that you were going to be doing was carrying your own form of execution. Jesus used this picture to talk to us disciples. In Matthew 16, 24 and 26, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So we must deny ourselves, take up the cross and follow me, Jesus said. Jesus is now carrying his cross and we are to take our cross and follow him. It's giving up our lives. It's laying them down. It's saying, Lord, I will live for you from here on out. Now, the next biblical station of the way of the cross helps us to understand this even better. Simon helps carry the cross. In Luke 23, 26 to 31, it says this. Now, as they led him away, 
they laid hold of a certain man, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming from the country. And on him, they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. Now, is this just a random fact that they, they took Simon from the crowd randomly? Or are we being told this for a reason? It could have just said a man carried the cross, but they knew exactly who it was. And in Mark, we're told a little bit more about him. In Mark 15, 21, it says, then they compelled a certain man, Simon of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus. And he was coming out of the country and passing by to bear his cross. Now, I think this tells us that they knew who he was. This is a fact of a person that carried the cross for Jesus, who the writers during the time that Mark and Luke wrote this would know who Simon of Cyrene was, and even more so, know who Rufus was. One more thing we should consider here is that it says in Luke 23, and they laid on him the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. So Jesus walked in front of Simon and Simon bearing Jesus's cross walked behind him. Jesus said to us, pick up your cross and follow me. Simon picked up Jesus's cross and followed him. This speaks of us laying down our lives and picking up our cross. It's not just bearing a cross, but it's following Jesus why we do. The fifth biblical way of the cross was that he ran into some women along the way. Jesus speaks to the women and these women were mourning for Jesus. And Jesus speaks to them in what seems to be a rough manner. Let's read it and we'll talk about it. Luke 23, starting in verse 27. And a great multitude of people followed him and women who also mourned and lamented him. But Jesus turning to them said, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For indeed the days are coming in which they will say, blessed are the barren, wombs that never bore and breasts that never nurse. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us and the hills cover us. For if they do these things in the green wood, what will be done in the dry? Now, why would Jesus talk to these women who were having pity on him, who were weeping for him? Jesus, just a few days before, had entered into Jerusalem and wept over the city of Jerusalem. He had prophesied that it was going to be surrounded by armies and it would be completely destroyed. And he knew that their rejection of him as the Messiah would lead to their own destruction 40 years from then. And Jesus was going to the cross, not as a victim, but he was going to the cross as one who was in control, sacrificing his life. He didn't need the pity. He was on a mission going there. And so he turns to them and says, weep for yourselves. Jesus had already wept for them. He's not being mean to them. He's telling them there are some things coming in your own life. As we look at the stations of the way of the cross, we don't want to weep for Jesus. We are thankful that he suffered. We're sorry that he had to suffer the way that he did. We are, uh, we are somber as we consider them like communion. We're somber when we take communion. However, we should consider our own lives because Jesus thought your life was valuable enough to die for you. And so is there something going on that needs to change in you, in me? Now, the next thing that happened to Jesus as he was making his way to Golgotha, when he got there, they offered him sour wine and Jesus tasted it and wouldn't take it. Now, this would be a form of anesthesia. 
maybe given by the Roman soldiers to make nailing someone to a cross more manageable. Some have suggested that it was given as a kind of mercy, that you would drink it and then be able to handle what was coming a little bit more. I think Jesus rejecting it, first of all, is him saying that he would take the full pain of the cross. He would go through it all. We know that Jesus didn't want to face the pain of the cross. He didn't want to take the shame. The Bible says that Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame for the joy that was set before him. And that reminds us that Jesus took the full weight of the cross so that we would have our sins forgiven. The final biblical station of the cross is that Jesus is stripped of his garments. Matthew 27, 35. Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Now here, Jesus had been mocked when he was in the garrison, and then they took the purple robe off of him, it says, and they put his clothes back on him, and then they get him to where they crucify him, they strip him and crucify him, and then they divide his garments among those who have crucified him, and they gamble or they cast lots for his cloak. So we know that his clothes were taken off of him. And this points us back to Psalms 22, which is an amazing prophecy. It starts off, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The Psalm, Psalms 22 ends with, it is finished or that it is done. The same thing Jesus said at the end of the cross. And it's a first person account of a crucifixion hundreds of years before crucifixion was ever invented. It's an amazing chapter. Take some time to get alone, get by yourself with God and read Psalm 22. Listen to what it says. Jesus on the cross is struggling why he's going through this. He's human, he's in shock. He's wondering where is God at and why isn't he answering me? And I cry out in the daytime and the nighttime and you don't listen. And remember there was darkness on the cross. He's being mocked. They pierce his hands and feet. This is Psalms 22. Again, written hundreds of years before crucifixion is invented. And then it says, you have answered me. And he goes on to say, it is for the people of Israel that he's dying. It is for the Gentiles that he's dying. And it is for a people who have not yet been born that he is dying. He gives his life for us. Now, all of this happened between the time that Jesus left being condemned and went to the cross before he was crucified. The shame of the cross was great. To be a person who was crucified was something that was looked down upon to die a death of crucifixion would be a bad death. To be stripped and to be nailed to a cross would be a shameful thing. But Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame for the joy that was set before him. And that joy is you. Now in closing, let me go back and read all seven of these together. They're worth us meditating on, remembering, praying, and remembering what Jesus did for us. Number one, Pilate condemns Jesus to die. Number two, the soldiers mock him. Number three, Jesus carries his cross. Number four, Simon helps carry the cross. Number five, Jesus speaks to the women. Number six, Jesus did not drink the sour wine. Number seven, he is stripped of his garments. No detail is too small. Everything he went through, he went through for you and he went through for me. Let us remember these things that our savior went through. God bless you. We'll see you next time on Hot Topics.